0: Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're continuing this morning on our series of God's Human Family, and we're going to be talking about humanity's deepest division. Humanity's deepest division. Division. The reason we're even ministering on this and we're going to be dealing with what will in the next few weeks on what would be considered out there in the world controversial topics because we're going to be taking a biblical position on those which is diametrically opposed to what is um, the the current uh, character ethos of our, our culture and Let's just make it, let's just say this, and I was having this discussion with someone yesterday, that I was born in 1954. Uh, And quick, for those of you trying to do the math, I'll be 70 at the end of this year. My dad would have been 99 today. And so we're, you know, he's in glory, hanging out, doing whatever he wants to do, and we're still down here in the middle of the fight, but that's okay. We'll get there. And he started ahead of us. All right. And so the world in which I was born in 1954, the very tail end of the Korean War, uh, is gone. That world is gone. And anybody that is hoping for that country and that uh, world to return is doing so in vain if the scriptures can be revealed uh, believed because it has been revealed that the things that are happening I mean every day it's we see another fulfillment of scripture it seems all right and the values and the ethics which were 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 in place both in government and in culture back in the 50s moving into the 60s when is when things really began to the wheels began to come off uh are have have decidedly declined you know now fewer people than ever are getting married. people are just shacking up and it's I remember uh speaking with a paralegal and she told me that it used to be they did lots and they do family law, and that they used to do a lot of uh child custody cases now they do guardianships but and I said why is that she said because people aren't getting married all right and as I said I'm pushing 70 hard and but and my grandparents and great grandparents would be in shock to see what is happening in this nation right now culturally governmentally educationally and every other way and the youngest generation of us coming up i don't know if that's the millennials or i don't I, I lose track of you got gen x you got you got millennials you got gen x you you know i don't know what they all are you know but they they don't have they don't see what's happening around us partially because they're young but because here in the west and i'm talking about the united states europe Australia you know Western Western nations uh, Canada that we have as a nation or as a culture become biblically ignorant and it's big we, we you know either our culture doesn't know what the scripture says or does not care having rejected it in fact so many, even within the church, are doing their best to rewrite the scriptures to fit the modern morality, and which is not a surprise, inasmuch as they are in a rapid, you know, um, pell mell attempt to rewrite the history of our nation, tear down all of our our uh, statues and everything. Does it really matter in the overall scheme of eternity whether Paul Revere would be considered a hero, you know, or? Um, you know Robert E. Lee, or you name somebody that would be considered you know wicked, you know like that. The answer is no. It is only through the lens of Scripture that we can understand what is happening around us. It is only through the ren- uh, the, the lens of Scripture that we can know why. And if you want to know now. So many in the church have basically written the Old Testament off as being irrelevant today. But I submit to you that the only way, since there is nothing new under the sun, the only way to know where we're going is to look and see where we've been. Because we're coming back around. All right. And again, Jesus warned us. All right, so let's let's go to Isaiah chapter 60 in verse 2, the first two-thirds of the verse. This is an eschatological, meaning an end times passage. He said, for behold, meaning the Lord through Isaiah, says, for behold, darkness will cover the earth. Now saints, there's no getting away from that. You know, And deep darkness, the peoples. There are things coming that I wish would not come. But they are coming and there's no way to pray them away. They're coming. We will see our nation abandon Israel. It will happen. The scripture is adamantly clear that at the end, all of the nations of the earth will be gathered against Israel. We are seeing pushback in our nation right now. And that is leading to something that I fear is going to be very, very damaging to our nation. Very, very damaging. And, you know, I, we'll talk about that another time. Again, he says, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness, deep darkness, thick darkness, the, the peoples. It was that kind of darkness, the, 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 the verbiage used there, is like the darkness that was in Egypt, when they couldn't see their faces, I mean their hands that far in front of their face. It was that dark. And even if they tried to light a torch or something of that nature, it would not give off any light. Only in Goshen, where the people of God lived, was their light. Everybody say amen, all right? And this darkness envelops all the nations, all the tribes, all the races. And the overall message is quite positive from, from, from Isaiah. Because he said, but I will rise upon you. The glory of Yahweh will rise upon you. What an awesome thing. And the darker it is, the brighter the light appears. All right. But that's another time. Well, but today we're talking about humanity. And humanity's deepest division. So let's look at Luke 17. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today. Is that okay with everybody? All right. So, and we're going to do it even if it's not. So there you are. All right. Luke chapter 17, verse 22. He's, and he, meaning Jesus, said to the disciples. This is from the uh, English Standard Version. The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and will not see it. And they will say to you, look here. Look there. Look here. I got those backwards. Go. Uh, Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. When Jesus comes, it will be sudden and it will be irrefutable. There will be no doubt that He's like that. But, He says, verse 25, He must suffer, first, He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And that could be interpreted to mean this people. Just as it was in the days of Noah. Okay, we're going to have to look at the days of Noah because if he's telling us it was just as it was in the days of Noah, we have to look at that. All right, And there's a lot of information out there about that that perhaps you haven't heard. But just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, Marrying and being given in marriage. Somebody, you know, we've looked at it and said, oh, that's just hyper prosperity. No, that's hyper selfishness. Until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot. Where did Lot live? Lot lived in Sodom. I know some, I could hear somebody thinking, well, so do I. There you go. All right. (laughs) This is the days of Lot. They were eating and drinking and buying and selling, planning and building. Notice He omits marrying and being given in marriage there. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from, that's brimstone, rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, in the run-up to Jesus coming, it will deteriorate and continue to do so. Somebody says, that's a pretty dark vision of the future, pastor. Actually, it's a dark vision of the future for the world. Not for the people of God. You know, when verse 22, again, I want you to let's just take a quick look at some of this. People will so long for the world or for the uh, rather for the Lord that they will be easily deceived. That's why Jesus said, when you hear he's over there or he's over here, don't go running after him. Because people I'm telling you, I see people. The, the, you know, corresponding about some of these YouTube prophets holding these people up as if there's something and I look at what they're saying and go how can people believe that? It's because they are hungry. They want somebody to encourage them. They want somebody to tell them something that's real and as a result they'll latch on to whatever junk food comes along. Rather, and you know, the gospel doesn't seem to be snazzy enough for them. You know, just a plain old gospel isn't snazzy enough for them. You know, if you don't have, you know, the pyrotechnics and all this kind of stuff and the people dancing and the choreographed routines and everything, and all that's going on, believe me. To packed houses. You know, the the, the Lord told us many, many years ago, and you heard me say it, that, that he says, you're going to be a forerunner church. Well, we're the forerunner <laughs> in the rural areas, in the wilderness. A voice crying in the wilderness. How many of you know, what, know that feeling? Jesus' coming will be sudden and global, not gradual and not local, all right? Verse 25, he says, but he must first suffer many things. What, who was he? The way, the truth, and the life. But he has to be rejected everybody has to be given an opportunity and in the antediluvian world the world of Noah the world before the flood will that world will come back he said well we're there sensual completely self-centered and according to Genesis 6 quite violent Paul warns us in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 all right Sodom wasn't just self-centered Now that was, that was Noah's world Sodom wasn't just self-centered It was perverse And people say Oh you know that's Old Testament it's, No I see the angel of Yahweh Turning to Abraham and saying The cry has come up from there That their sin is exceedingly Grave you gotta, We need to take that We need to take that into, into Consideration what the word says Right? Matthew chapter 24 the great end times uh, chapter from Matthew beginning with verse 36 again from the ESV but concerning that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father only for as we were the days of Noah so will the coming of the son of uh, be the coming of the son of man for as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark now he said, well, you just said all that. True. But what I didn't say was this. Verse 20, uh, 39. And they were unaware. They don't see it coming. Until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The spirit of delusion that comes upon the earth will be so strong that even though the signs are articulated in the scripture very very succinctly the majority of the world will be clueless when it happens all right i believe that we will have revival yes i believe we will see harvest but i am not based upon scripture i am not convinced that the majority part of humanity is going to be swept into the kingdom. We will see wonderful things, and we will see people crying out to God because of their distress. When the earth experiences your judgments, the, you know, the, the, the wicked learn righteousness. Though the wicked has shown grace, he doesn't learn righteousness. Isaiah 26, you can look it up. All right? And so uh, we know that there's nothing new under the sun. So rewind the tape back to the garden we've been talking about, Adam and Eve, where... Cain follows the serpent. Genesis chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. Now the man, meaning Adam, had relations with his wife Eve. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man child with the help of Yahweh. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to Yahweh from the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And Yahweh had regard for Abel and his offering but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Now A lot of people look at that and I used to think the same thing until I, you know, got a little bit deeper into the word and was taught some things. And that is, a lot of people say, well, you see that Abel offered up blood, firstlings and fat portions. And so he, his, you know, he he did what the Lord wanted. But Cain was a tiller of the ground and offered up the fruit of the ground. And that wasn't what God wanted. He wanted the blood sacrifice. He didn't want the uh the vegetables the grains right you know it sounds like some people's dietary habits that i know you know but the fact is that is not true because you get into leviticus and you see that the minka which was the grain offering was perfectly acceptable to god he appreciated that where you find the error here is when it says at the end of days Cain brought an offering, who was a total of ground in the course of time, literally in the end of days, Cain brought an offering to Yahweh from the fruit of the ground. Whereas Abel brought his firstlings. Abel gave God his best. Abel gave God the best of the best. Whereas Cain gave him whatever was left over. Whatever he could spare. The author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, the great faith chapter, that by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. So in other words, it came down to faith. Abel had a better relationship with God than Cain did. Also, I want you to notice that Cain was struggling. Let's, keep, let's read the rest of that. But, uh, it says, but for Cain, verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry. At whom is Cain angry? He's angry with God. Because God wouldn't take, you know how many people today think God will just take whatever they decide to give him? And, and God says, and Yahweh said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. But you must master it. God is warning Cain that he is in the balance. That there is a, when it says sin is crouching, I see uh, some sort of, I see a leopard or a tiger or some, you know, something, you know, a a big cat, you know, something, uh, some predator waiting to jump. All right. And to come, uh, to come on them. One of the things that I think is an aside that's worth mentioning is that this did not happen in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve had been ejected. And yet, here they are worshiping, and Yahweh is speaking to both of them. And so, God did not abandon humanity just because we sinned. All right. Again, there was nothing wrong with the minka. That's the, the name for the grain offering, it was perfectly acceptable. But Abel worshiped where Cain went through the motions, he came and did his. Obligation or what he thought, and he became angry. And God warned that he was in serious danger. We go to Genesis, we're well, we stay there in chapter four. It says, beginning in verse eight, the Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. I have a feeling that was lit, that conversation got heated, and not by anything Abel had done. Have you ever known? I'm telling you. What did, uh, what did Paul say? Those who desire to live righteously will suffer persecution. And so already we see the ungodly beginning to persecute the godly. The lack of faith, the unbelief beginning to persecute faith. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And Yahweh said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. It's not my day to watch him. That's the way we would say it. And Yahweh said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground it will no longer yield to you its strength and you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. I want you to remember that because that was God's will. As hard as it was, that was God's will for for Cain and he did not walk it out. Cain said to Yahweh, "My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, I will be you have driven me today away from the ground and from the face your face i will be hidden i shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me does anybody see repentance in there anywhere no cain never did repent vengeance you know and then and, and yahweh said to him no not so if anyone kills cain Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Yahweh put a mark on Cain. And we have no idea what that was. Lest any who found him should attack him. And then Cain went away from the presence of Yahweh. And settled in the land of Nod to the east of Eden. Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bore Enoch. Not the Enoch that got taken. When he built a city he called it the name of the city. After the name of his son Enoch. Notice. That he was supposed to be a vagrant and wanderer, he was supposed to be a nomad. He was supposed to keep wandering, but here he defied Yahweh's uh, will for him and built a city. Not everything, no matter how successful it might be, you know what is it? They, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Doesn't mean they won't get it built; just means it won't amount to anything. All right. Cain never repented. And the and given we are given the generations of Cain and his people and we're going to explore that later, but the question arises: Where did Cain's wife come from? That's their biblical gotcha. Okay. Well, it says in Genesis chapter six one that humanity began to become very numerous and spread out all over the face of the earth. That's the Reader's Digest condensed version. Does everybody here know what the reader's digest was? Okay. I mean, you know, some people it's, oh, it was this thing we used to get. All right. And you know, people, you know, we it's the all when we read Genesis one through eleven, we are getting a highly condensed version of history. And you have to look at the verbiage. You have to look at the symbolism. And you have to look at uh, the theological messaging. Or you will miss the most significant parts of it. The world looks at it as a fairy tale. But I submit to you that Genesis is the only reliable ancient history that we really have. All right, And there are two bloodlines. You recall that God said to the henachash, the serpent in the garden, that... He said, the seed of the, you know, I will put enmity between your seed. And he's talking to the snake. He's talking, you know, to the the serpent, not the snake, but the serpent. He's talking to Lucifer. He says, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. Now, what does he mean by your seed when he's speaking to the devil? He cannot possibly mean the baby demons that are born to him because demons do not reproduce. You know, but there would be those who would follow the serpent. And there would be those who follow the seed of the woman, who we saw previously is Jesus Christ. He is the seed of the woman. He's the last Adam, the second man, and he births into the world through the Spirit. Humanity 2.0, redeemed humanity. Man, somebody should be. <laughs> room right now all right okay and so the bloodline of cain you know is given to us but without dates without anything because and that's very significant we will discuss it but in uh in uh, genesis three and five uh, um, or five three through five and i'm gonna get up here and you were you've been wondering what this uh highly artistic mass up here is you know, uh, please forgive my lack of artistic ability, but, and I know you're looking at that and you cannot tell what that is written up there. So I'm going to point at it and tell you what it is so that you have an idea. Norman has said that he will reproduce uh, uh, this in, you know, a piece of paper. How many of you would be interested in it? Well, wait a minute. Don't answer that until I've, I've told you what it is. You know, for all you know, this is, a, this is your home insurance bill that just doubled, all right? Now, it says that we'll put this up there at Genesis chapter five, verses three through five. Let's read it. And when Adam had lived one hundred and thirty years, he fathered a son in his own likeness and his own image, and named him Seth. Now, before that, he had already had two sons, Cain and Abel, but neither one of them is listed. All right, and so at one hundred and thirty. Okay, here's Adam. This is the beginning of Adam's life. We have Cain and Abel right here. But here, 130 years into Adam's timeline, we have Seth. All right, let's keep, let's keep going. Four. And the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 uh, years. And he had, what does it say? Other sons and daughters. How many? We don't know. But we know that there were at least two girls because of the s at the end of the word daughter. I suspect he had a large family, probably pretty large because he lived to be nine hundred and thirty. And Noah didn't have Ham, have Ham, Shem, and Japheth until he was five hundred. So you could you know you could start producing a pretty big family, in a fairly short period of time. All right, and then five five. Where it says, in all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. Well, here's where Adam dies. This is 930 years on this timeline. Okay, so uh, we'll go to Genesis 5, 6 through 8. Seth begets Enosh after he had lived 105 years. So 235 years in Adam's timeline, Enosh, the son of Seth, is born. Keep, keep going. 5-7. And Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had what? Other sons and daughters. Well, why aren't they all named? <laughs> really? You think the Bible's long now? You know, I'm sure Moses was there ready to write down the names of all these children. And, and he okay, do you want me to record this? And God says, uh, no, you know, they're going to skip the begats as it is. Can I get a witness? And those begats are important. Because within the begats. We find some things. Alright. So we go to 5.8. And all the days of Seth were 912 years. And he died. Then. Enosh. We move on to Genesis 5.9-11. Enosh begets Canaan. After he had lived 90 years. So it's 325 years. Along the timeline. And. Next, verse 10. And Enosh lived after he fathered uh, Canaan uh, 815 years. And he had what? Other sons and daughters. Okay. So 325 Canaan's born. And then 395 years going down to verse, uh, let's see, 12. It says, here it comes. Verse 12. When Canaan Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Use that in a sentence today so you won't forget it. Mahalalel, that was at 395 years on Adam's timeline. Adam was 395, all right? And then it says in verse 13, he had other sons and daughters, okay? We go to verse 18. Well, actually to verse 15. Mahalalel begets Jared, who started a jewelry store. <laughs> Talk about an old firm, all right? That was four hundred and sixty years on the uh, on the timeline. And verse sixteen says Mahalal, Mahalalel rather lived after he fathered Jared eight hundred thirty years and had what? other uh, sons and daughters everybody said I think I get it well the Bible wants to make sure okay all right then Jared begets Enoch yeah our Enoch the Enoch we know all right in 622 622 years along the timeline verse 9 uh, let's see where excuse me verse 19 says Jared lived after the fathered Enoch 800 years and had what other sons and daughters well Enoch gave birth to Methuselah. Methuselah at 969 was the oldest had the longest lifespan of any human being in the Bible. All right now somebody might say do you really believe pastor that these people live that long? Yes I do. Watch when you read through Genesis after the flood and watch the lifespans began shrinking rapidly. Why? Some people think it was environmental change. Some people think it was because of other things. All I know is I have complete confidence and there have been finds archaeologically that indicate people of enormous age with great... How many of you know your head never stops growing? Did you know that? Your head never stops growing. So your forehead is like that. Your uh, ears (laughs) never stop growing. And your feet never stop growing. So when you see somebody whose feet are three feet long, that guy's old. Okay. I mean, all right. So anyway, Methuselah 687 on, you know, Adam's timeline, verse 22 Enoch walked, uh, you know. Well, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah, three hundred years, and had other sons and daughters. Okay, Methuselah, at, you know, six eighty-seven. He fathers Lamech, at or Lamech at eight forty-seven. All right, or eight seventy-four rather. I got I transposed that. In uh, verse forty-six or twenty-six. Man, I'm I'm going to get it. I'm I'm on a roll today, and Methuselah lived after he would fathered Lamech uh, 782 years and had what? Other sons and daughters. 930, Adam dies. Now what I'm showing you here is that when Adam died, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Methuselah, maybe Enoch, we don't know when God took him. Okay, Methuselah and Lamech were all still alive. Think about that. And in fact, uh, Mahalel, Kenan, Enosh, and Seth all lived to see Noah. Now granted, Seth and Enosh did not, you know, live to see him when he was, you know, when he, as he, his family, they didn't live to see his sons born But Methuselah did, as did Lamech, and so as you see, and each one of them are prodigiously, I believe, reproducing, and so humanity is spreading out. Humanity is growing. So we don't know when Cain got married. We don't know when Cain and Abel had their contretemps that led to Abel's murder. All right, we don't know when that was. So. Where did Cain's wife come from? Cain married either his sister or his niece. It's as simple as that, all right. And somebody said, "Well, that's just gross." That's because in our day we are forbidden marriages of affinity because of the thinning of the gene pool and what it brings. You know, when 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 siblings, if siblings were to marry, it is very likely to bring serious physical issues and deformities but then the gene pool was nowhere near as thin as it is today is everybody aware of the fact that all dogs can be traced back to one pair it's hard to believe that the teacup yorkie and the chihuahua go back and the german shepherd and the sharpay and the pit bull terrier are all cousins They all came from one pair. They say that if you let all dogs interbreed and quit the selective breeding stuff, they would go back to having ears that pop up, not flop down. They would have long curly tails instead of little, you know, whatever. And they would be healthier. Is that not right? She who knows all things veterinarian. Over there. All right. And all humans can be traced All men can be traced to one man, X, Y. All women can be traced to one woman, you know, double X. All right. Can we get these two together? I'm not worried about that. Obviously, somebody did. Are you with me? All right. And so uh, Abraham was married to his half sister. Right. Isaac married his cousin. When you read it, you know, If if you wanted to be funny and glib about it, uh, where Abraham tells his servant, do not take a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaan. Go back to my homeland and take a bride for my daughter from among my relatives. It's like, ah, that sounds funny today. It wasn't then, even though it is now. But by the time we get to the Pentateuch, by the time Moses wrote... Leviticus it is forbidden because the gene pool was rapidly thinning. How many of you with me? I hope this helps. All right? But let's take a look at something else here that we read already but we need to remember and that is that there is a this is one branch of humanity by Seth but there is another branch of humanity Through Cain. Alright. And Cain never repented of his sin. We'll talk more about that next week. But the fact of the matter is. Cain was a murderer. Alright. He never repented. And we're given the generations of Cain and his people. And again we will explore that a little bit later. But the bloodline of Cain. It's seven generations given to us. Basically without dating and because it's very significant. But as I said, we'll come back to that. But when we go back to Genesis chapter 5, look at verse 3 again. And when Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his own image and named himself. Does anybody remember that verbiage from anywhere? Fathered a son as his own likeness after his image. This is the bloodline that is going to bring us the Messiah this is the seed of the woman and it is being and the Hebrews are meticulous about genealogies you can look it up over in the the gospel of Luke where he gives the genealogy of Jesus and it goes right back to Adam through Seth alright and so uh, uh he wouldn't come, when we draw the line, we see that humanity was, had greatly expanded. Were there any other humans? I've heard this. Well, in the land of Nod to the east, there was, you know, some other humans had evolved and that's where Cain found his wife, you know. uh, No. Okay, because in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, the let me see and let me find it here because I've got more scriptures than uh, the law should allow 320 the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of most of the living no what does it say all the living so every one of us come from Adam and Eve period Over out. we either believe the scripture or we don't now I made reference to it already Back in Genesis 3.15. Are you getting anything out of this? I realize this is heavier stuff, but you'll, you'll find... When we start talking about the antediluvian world, meaning the, flood, the days of Noah and things of that nature, you'll see how this begins to fit in. Because there were some very surprising, shocking, and dismaying things that were happening during that period of time that are beginning to happen again today. All right? Genesis 3.15, I quoted it a moment ago. I, meaning Yahweh was speaking... Will put enmity between you, meaning the Nahash, the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, crush his head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. You know, I'm, one thing's for sure if I have a choice of being able to uh, crush my enemy's head or just bruise his heel, I think I'm going to go for the head. All right? So two strains of humanity would arise. The seed of the woman, a direct reference to the coming Messiah, the last Adam. And the, and the seed of the serpent. We see that even today when Paul says uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 about the, how that they had walked, verses 1 and 2, how they had walked in the lust of the flesh, in the, the things of the world, in the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. He didn't say among the disobedient. He said the sons of disobedient. How many remember Jesus being challenged by the Pharisees and he said, you are of your father, the devil. And he speaks of the devil as being a murderer. And we see that very early on. And it is through Seth that comes. So there is no question about how all of this turns out because the scripture has given it to us very very clearly and you know and that I want you to know that all you have to do if you want to know how it ends is crack the scripture and read it and believe me the enemy has read it and he knows he knows his time is short he knows that he cannot win And the best he can do is fight some sort of a delaying action and try to do scorched earth before he leaves to try to poke God in the eye the very best he can. You know, and he's more insane and more desperate. But this drama in which we find ourselves must run its course. Because as we shared last week, God is looking, God created Adam and Eve and the race that was in them to walk with him, to talk with him, to worship and obey, to be his agents, to be, we will, God's going to get his way in the end because in the end we will rule and reign with Christ, which is exactly what Adam was supposed to do in the beginning and in the first place. The enemy hasn't won anything. All it's been is this massive delay. But delay is not denial. Amen. If our musicians would come. Now, rewinding the tape a little bit to what I was saying when we began. The world into which I was born, at least the country into which I was born, was largely Christian in character. But as America takes the West headlong back into paganism, the deterioration that we are seeing was and is entirely predictable. And ignoring the degeneration around us and pretending that everything is fine. It's all good. It's all fine. It's, you know, nothing to see here. We're on our way to the very best, you know, uh, humanity is evolving. We are not. We are not evolving. Some of humanity is devolving, but we are not evolving. If we ignore that stuff, you know, and say it's all good and everything. We are truly putting lipstick on a pig. Amen. And it won't help. When you, I've got a couple of neighbors who have a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig, and they say those are. And I and I, I remember when people used to. And you know, they were these little bitty pigs, and all you say, oh, he's so cute. But you know, I've discovered that the pot-bellied pigs, if you continue to feed them, they get to be big pigs. I mean, they can become enormous, and their pig is huge, and he looks like a pig. You know, he, he does, he, well I say he, maybe a she, I don't I don't even know, you know. I remember one day we were riding motorcycles and we were out on sea, I think it is, up in um, Clay County. And there's a hog farm up there off just on the north side of the roadway. And they've got these little shelters, you know, out there. And as we rode by, a whole bunch of little piglets were running from one place to another and they were so cute you know they are little piglets are just so cute but then they grow up into hogs you know and I want you to think about that that's almost you know it's just like certain behaviors that are super cute and teeny tiny children are horrid if you put them in an adult and we're seeing that all right all right and so you know the pig gets bigger And you put lipstick on it, trying to dress it up. But you can dress them up, but you cannot take them out. It's as simple as that. It's still a pig. And if we do not recognize the signs of the times, what's happening around us, and stand in truth, we will be ineffective for the ministry to which we have been called. The Lord spoke to me nearly 40 years ago and warned me that... I'm going to be, I'm going to get discouraged and I'm going to have opportunity to just hang it up and walk away or run away and like that. But then I'm not going to do so. He's not going to let me because I have to stand fast until that which he has promised comes forth. He'll bring it forth. All right. And we have to know who we are, whose we are, and just as importantly, how we got here how in the world did we wind up in this mess and people look at it and they're completely bewildered and bumfuzzled. yet those who know the scripture know exactly what's going on if we will take the time to rightly divide the word of truth if we'll take time to dive in and we will sit through a message where the pastor gets up and points at crude art in fact calling it art is a euphemism you know it's well, and explaining all of these things so that we would actually have some knowledge there rather than just be concerned about, you know, give me a quick, you know, pepper rubber message to send me out to be able to face the day. And I'm not saying that, you know, that, that those things aren't important too. They are. But we, we need the meat of the word. We need to, to get into it. And it's only you and I stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants. I'm not talking about the Nephilim. We will talk about the Nephilim, the physical giants. But we stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants who persevered and overcame in their day. And we will declare the truth as unpopular as it has become. I want you to think about this. When we look at that timeline, look at there. There's Noah, 1029. All right, and then you've got Seth still alive, Enosh uh, is still alive, Kenan still alive, Mahalalel is still alive, Jared still are, is still alive. We don't know where Enoch was or what you know because we don't know how old he was when God took him. And then Methuselah was still alive, and Lamech was was still alive. All those people were still alive. They they knew. In fact. With the exception, perhaps, well, actually, every one of them knew Adam. Their granddad, great granddad, great great granddad, great 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 granddad, who would be able to relay to them, relate to them, what happened in the garden. They also knew the Lord some way. They knew Yahweh some way because we see God dealing with Cain and Abel. And we know that Adam was teaching his posterity about Yahweh. He died in 930. We do not know when the flood came on because it tells us that at 1500, at uh, 1529 thus you know or in that area, that's when Noah started having children. His sons were already adults by the time they built the ark here's my point: by the time we get to Noah, the degeneration was so great that only Noah, his wife, his sons and their daughters they were the only it was actually it was Noah was the only righteous man left I want you to think about how I mean that's what I would call who's patient zero in this (laughs) you know this is an infection this And that's what it was. It was an infection. It was a pandemic of evil that for all intents and purposes swallowed even the offspring of these men who were ostensibly more righteous because they had direct access to our forefather Adam and their mama, grandmama, great-great-grandma great-grandma, great-great-grandma, great-great-great-grandma, great-great-great-great. I mean, can you even imagine what it's like to live with your, and to be, go in to see your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother? We'll get that opportunity for those I believe that. All right. And, but we see the line of Seth through whom Noah came and Shem and how that faith came down to us. And we You'll see the nations when we get to Genesis 10 and 11. You'll see the nations reject God. All of them. 70 or 72 of them, depending on the way you count the names. And what God did with them. And the evil spirits that were over them. And how the idols got started. And what was happening in that. And a lot of stuff. We're going there. And you'll see how that that spirit of murder is still alive and well today. Because it's there. And hatred is directly linked to it. Hatred. But we are to be a people of love. Amen. We are to walk in love. Don't let the world suck you in. You know, if you can't read the news without getting mad at somebody, maybe you better not read the news. I mean, if it's a righteous indignation, that's one thing. But if it's just. Everybody loves me. Amen. Hallelujah great and glorious things are ahead and you have not when Jesus said I'm, I'm going to come I'm going to rise from the dead and it's going to be awesome but before we get there amen and so the, between the promise and the fulfillment is a vast territory of testing and struggle but that's okay he who has called us is faithful and he will bring it to pass. Let's all stand. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, I-C-C-Family, all one word, dot O-R-G, dot O-R-G. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.